Welcome back to The Current. I'm your host, Nadia Last. Some of you might know that over the past two years, I have had the really wonderful opportunity to sit in some of the most fulfilling and profound work of my life. I have been assisting and supporting psychedelic therapy retreats, and this opportunity sort of fell into my lap. It has been one of the most correct projector invitations I've ever received in my life. These retreats are lovingly, safely, legally, and expertly guided by two co-facilitators that I'm bringing onto the show again today, Claire Johnson and Nick Baker. And today's an exciting day because we are announcing our very first tropical retreat location. Mid-May, May 15th through the 20th, we are headed to the heart of the Costa Rican jungle. It is my very first time to Costa Rica. I can't even contain my giddiness. I know that this land is very special and that this is a huge up-leveling and initiation of this plant medicine work. It will be a psilocybin retreat. We will be doing big journey work with psilocybin. And when I say we, I mean the retreat participants. Me, Claire, and Nick do not partake of the substances during these retreats. We are holding the space. We are guiding, but not so much guiding as we are sort of creating the space for you to guide yourself. If you have never experienced a big psychedelic journey in a group setting, they bring you back to your wholeness, to your divinity, to your sense of self-worth. No matter what, we can't necessarily promise what sort of experience you're going to have, but we know that it's going to be a meaningful one. Perhaps you've been in your life thus far doing some inner introspection work and you're wanting to take that to a new threshold. Perhaps you're doing incredibly well, but there's still these sort of nagging experiences that you don't quite know how to tap into. Perhaps it's just a feeling and a calling, like you've been waiting for medicine work to come into your field that feels like it's an integrity. Whatever brings you here, this podcast interview is an offering from our hearts to yours so that you know the right questions to ask, whether you come on one of our retreats or any other retreat that's offered. Know what you're getting yourself into. What should you be asking about? How do you tell if somebody is in integrity or not? What are the limits that you're supposed to test uh, within the people that are facilitating and guiding these experiences? Now, if you want to join us in May, this retreat spot is so epic. It is seriously unbelievable. We will be on 200 private acres of jungle right in the heart of the Diamante Valley in Costa Rica. It's one of the largest, if not the largest waterfall in Costa Rica. And all of the showers on this property are literally fed through this waterfall. They are literal rain showers. There is this unbelievably gorgeous open air temple where we will be doing the journeying and we will have private chefs on the experience, um, massages for you to purchase different excursions to the jungle river and pools that exist on property and the waterfalls that are nearby. We will be creating such a luxurious and beautiful retreat space. We only have a handful of spots on this retreat and we expect it to fill quickly. So if you're interested there's an application that can be found in the show notes of this episode. Now, without further ado, I'm so stoked to welcome Claire and Nick back onto the podcast so we can talk all about psychedelics on retreat. Here we go. Claire and Nick, I'm so excited to bring you back on. For those who didn't catch episode 35, would you just briefly introduce yourselves today? Absolutely. Thanks for having us back. Woo-hoo. I know it's always such a such a pleasure to get to do this with you. And so my name is Claire Johnson, and uh, I'm a marriage and family therapist in private practice. A lot of my background is in trauma work, and got into the practice of studying and doing research with psychedelics a number of years ago, which is how I bumped into Nick in the world back at school. At CIIS, we both did a certificate in psychedelic therapy and research there, and then began sort of our journey together of training different places around the world and working together in this capacity and also doing some some teaching as well. So we're here now to get to talk about these unique um, opportunities and experiences that are sort of emerging in the space um, and wanting to 
just to offer more insight into what's possible. I think, you know, everyone's pretty familiar that we're hearing more and more about psychedelic therapy and the research is on John Oliver last week. And it's just all over the news. Media is full of interesting information of all kinds about this. And so um, it's great to be part of that conversation. Nick? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So my original job after college was as a guide for a travel company. I took people on um, high-end luxury vacations all over the world, hiking and biking. And that's where I really like honed my skill and craft at supporting groups, um, really paying really close attention to the flow and organization of group travel. And then at some point in my life, I really felt a call to be of deeper service. And I went back to school to become a nurse. And I worked in an emergency room here in California for 10 straight years. Parts of it were really wonderful, but ultimately I felt really out of place after a while and I felt really burnt out. There's a way I wanted to connect with people at a much deeper level. And I kind of accidentally stumbled into working at a ketamine clinic for Kaiser where we were treating people um, who had suicidal ideation even after trying um, medicines like SSRIs and talk therapy. And that's where I saw the incredible power of people having transformative experiences and the you know, deep relationships I was forming with people uh, was like exactly what I wanted to do. And that's what sent me back to school to study psychedelic therapy. That's where I met Claire. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Um, my world is now all psychedelic related. I still have a couple of nursing jobs, but both of them are in academy clinics. But the real love, the real passion of this retreat work that I get to do Claire um, kind of brings together all the parts of my life that I love the most. I think I have a a question here because you two have been facilitating and guiding both one-on-one experiences and then the integration experiences thereafter with just individuals. When did you know that you wanted to bring this into group form and what's the value of being in a group doing psychedelics? Nick was a travel guide. I also was a travel guide. (laughs) It's a really funny overlap that we had. We both were led trips around the world and we laugh about that now. But um, seeing what happens, like the alchemy of a group experience when it's held well and with specific intention is pretty magical thing to witness. I think also about indigenous tradition with many of these medicines, particularly psilocybin, were often done in group right? And in ceremony together. And I think, you know, that's really sort of what sparked me of wanting to go and learn more about what the group container has to offer that I think is really unique and very special. It's not to say that one-on-one work isn't valuable, right? But there's this other element that gets added of um, being witnessed and witnessing ourselves and other people that is um, pretty unrepeatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on, a, on the surface level, it's just really fun to go <laughs> to a beautiful place and live there for a week and take a break from your life and be fed delicious food and sleep well and be out in nature. Those things are all healing on their own. Um, but both Claire and I really, I think, saw the value of group work when we were working at a retreat center in Jamaica where this medicine is legal and where we saw both the benefit of the medicine, but also the benefit of human connection. There's something really magical about having a really beautiful experience with mushrooms and having it be shared with other people. Uh, There's also something really magical about having a really challenging experience and then having it be held in a group. And the word I use the most is normalized. So if something is really challenging and you experienced it all by yourself, it can be really common to think that you did something wrong or um, that it's not going right. But when you see that other people are having similar experiences, it really helps normalize it for yourself and it makes it easier to integrate. We also saw how people kind of form like a little family. And, you know, the truth is like healing happens in community, not individually. And so these lessons that we learn as part of this experience, it's best if they're shared and integrated into community. Um, We also saw the power of after retreat, the groups being bonded and helping each other in the integration process. So every 
group that we've been a part of, we're still in touch with. We have regular calls with them. They we kind of give the power to them to create their own integration group where they stay in touch and are supporting each other and cheering each other on for the commitments that they've made post-journey, you know, sharing the difficulties that still happen in life after these experiences. And so there's a there's a lot of benefits that just we didn't even know about them until we saw them in real life. And we've become really enthusiastic proponents of that kind of work ever since. Yeah. Also the playfulness that you bring in that I think is so fun. Most people think, you know, this work can be really serious and parts of it, you know, parts of it Mm -hmm. are that. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this element of inviting kind of the full spectrum of human experience, which is like our silliness and spontaneity and creativity together that I love to see how that takes shape differently for every group in a really unique way. That's just so fun to be a part of. Yeah, one of our teachers, Mary Cosimano. Mary, if you ever listen to this, we love you so much. <laughs> um, she's one of the pioneering researchers that works with uh, Bill Richards um, out at Hopkins. And her statement that really stuck with me was, um, joy, always there, sometimes hiding. So it's, it's our fun and our play and our creativity is always within us, but it can be hidden. And it's so nice to see it come alive. I think of a time where one of our guests who had been a little bit more reserved, we started chanting to him. Yeah. We were swimming in the ocean, yeah. hundreds of yards away, chanting his name to come join us. Splashing. And he was, you know, slowly came towards us until we all just erupted in the splashing laughter when he arrived. And uh, later in that week, we had like a dad joke contest. Uh, <laughs> other retreats, we've had like really fun dance parties. Um, we were not afraid to get silly um, as well as to get really deep. And I think that like wholeness is what we're after retreats like this. There's a tenant that you two have when you create spaces, which is no pushy spirituality. And I feel like the silliness also ties into this of, of like, it doesn't take itself too seriously as well. Can, can you two talk about how you cultivate a space like that intentionally? Absolutely. Bill Richards was the one who taught us the phrase. I'm sure it came from somewhere else. I'm sure it's ancient, but same summit, uh, many paths. And we really respect all of the different pathways to coming into the true nature of who we are, um, whether that's meditation or art or poetry um, psychedelics are really just one of the ways. So we are not people who are um, evangelical about psychedelics being the only path to awakening and satisfaction and you know peace. So we're not trying to push our way of seeing the world on anyone else and kind of comes around to like the way that we hold the space is less of a... Um, indigenous ceremony uh, shamanic practice and more of based in just like presence and allowing and really authentic human relating so that we're you know careful to let our thoughts and ideas and lenses on the world be be ours while respecting everybody else's well said i'm also aware that you know people come from all of their various backgrounds with whatever their experiences are of religion or spirituality that can be part of their trauma and you know so nick and i always wanting to be really conscious of that to create a space that feels as safe as possible to allow people to discover their own way and their own understanding we're not here to say that there's one way or one understanding it's really creating like a lot of possibility for people to authentically step into that, you know, in their own way. So I think of times where I've been at ayahuasca ceremonies where I'm like, wow, this is really impressive shamanic work that's happening. It's I'm, I'm really in a lot of admiration for the people who hold ceremonies that way. And also sometimes I feel a little bit out of place. Like I don't quite know how to integrate into this way of being and it, it's almost a little bit of a distraction for me to like process that's happening internally um, i can start to kind of judge myself a little bit and so i think it our way of doing this kind of comes from like not wanting to impose that on, on other people 
I love that. So well said. And I think a takeaway for anyone considering an experience like this is look at the teachers and ask yourself, are they trying to show you their answers or are they really encouraging you to find your own answers? <laughs> I hear a question from folks listening that if it's not ceremonial and more shamanic in nature, what can people expect when they hop on retreat with you all? What does the schedule look like? What, what, do, what do people do during the day? Yeah, how does this actually go? Yeah. Maybe, maybe wise to start with the very beginning, which is the preparation phase, where we have a pretty, you know, thorough process of application. So, you know, making sure medically that this fits for you, and you know, really doing a thorough intake to make sure this is a good fit for you, and then. If so, then uh, we invite you in to the experience and we have a, once the group is formed, we have a, a preparation call with the group. We're teaching you, there's a kind of a teaching element too, of like, here's how to prepare. Here's what to expect. And we give you a lot of detail, you know, a lot of paperwork ahead of time that you can read to really make sure you're feeling safe, comfortable, um, have all the information you need. And for the group to kind of start to get to know each other and, and form like a little family. So that's all in the preparation phase. And then I'll let you mm -hmm. take it from there. Yeah. And then when we land on retreat, you know, people are not such strangers. They've seen each other at least once on the, on the screen, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but there's a general kind of coming together at the beginning and people, you know, we gather and sort of introduce ourselves and then we do in-person preparation for journey. Um, so there's kind of a landing that happens like in the physical space, like a connecting with the land and the, the you know the people there while we do some preparation kind of intention setting leading into into the first journey typically on journey days uh we like a really light breakfast it's pretty simple we gather together kind of in late morning do another check-in you know and then by kind of that first part of the afternoon we might we might start our journey together and our journeys are guided um, by music. We, we usually start together in kind of a circle. So people be laying down kind of on mats and with what we call like a receptive posture to the medicine. And, you know, we're there um, holding that space and kind of with intention, really allowing people to start off on their, on their process some people may get up and feel like they want to move around, you know, in kind of various ways throughout the journey. And some people may stay really stationary and sort of deeply internal in their process, like with an eye mask on, even which you can do for many hours, <laughs> you know, uh, deep exploration of your inner world. And sometimes people's process leads them out and, you know, to relate to nature or different elements sort of, you know, outside of them. It's not a communal time in that we're not like verbally talking to each other during the journey. It's pretty individual, although it, uh, you know, on medicine, you can really feel the energy of people. And there is, there is a way that kind of the collective like weaves through, right? Like somebody may laugh in a part of a journey and then other people may start laughing in response to that, right? Or you may hear somebody cry and that may evoke sadness in you. And so there are kind of like energetic waves that flow through the group during journey, which we find really fascinating. I think all of that stuff is perfectly designed and is exactly what's supposed to be happening. I marvel at it and the perfection of it each time mm -hmm. that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of difficult to describe. I remember in the last podcast we did, we talked a little bit about this idea of allowing and not guiding. And I sometimes think guide is a little bit of the wrong word because we're not like telling you what to do at every stage. It's not a guided meditation. It's really more like an improv. And as we ask everyone to surrender to the experience they're having, we're also having to be in this state of surrender of like going with the flow of what's happening for everybody. So that looks really different in every single retreat and every single journey. Um, so it's hard to say this is how it goes every time. Um, yeah, possible. Impossible, impossible. It's also the joy of the work is like, it's never the same twice. So sometimes a lot of silence, a lot of deep silence, and we can kind of feel that, you know, powerful silence in the room. Um, I can think of times where someone needed to go outside because they were feeling really stuck and one of us joined them out there. 
and went through an entire process together. Um, if anyone's familiar with internal family systems work, we call it parts work. I started kind of like improving, being different parts of this person's psyche. And he got to have a conversation with all these different parts of him. And it led to this big breakthrough of grief around his father who had passed and he never had been able to have that grief. And that's, you know, that's not how it goes in every retreat. That's just kind of us surrendering to what was actually happening. I can think of another time where <laughs> it was kind of solemn in the room and somebody was having a really, uh, Kind of breakthrough positive experience and <laughs> she just announced to the group she was like guys everything is fine everything's gonna be don't worry about it and everyone erupted in laughter and it totally changed the mood um life is not so hard yeah so- why are you taking it so seriously <laughs> i can think of another time where claire and i without speaking to each other just sensed that one of the people in the group needed both of us and it was just a really, you know, wordless process of sitting next to this person and holding his hand and his feet and being that way for probably 45 minutes. So it's just really kind of beautiful way in which we're, we're sensing rather than thinking with our mind about what wants to happen. Yeah, lots we could say about the actual experience, but the general arc is um, some silence in the beginning, music that's highly curated during the experience with pieces of silence also. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's kind of a takeoff. Uh, there's kind of like a cruising period for a couple hours. And then there's this kind of gentle coming back. And as we come back, we kind of come back into a group. We do very minimal processing immediately after the journey. That's really more a time to let the experience continue to happen. We finish with a meal. Again, that night, we don't try to make meaning out of everything. We wait until the next day uh, where we have an entire day, with no medicine dedicated to the process of integration. Yeah. And maybe you can say it too. We, you know, specifically design retreats to have those, those integration days to really allow people to just be still in their journey, right? Um, but kind of sifting through all of the layers that undoubtedly emerge, like, I'm thinking of, you know, it's really powerful to see how much work gets done, like outside of medicine, actually, like in dream time or in your walk the next morning or in like a sudden memory that you might have after. Burst of writing that comes out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Like these really, really powerful ways that I never exclude. Like I've been saying lately, all of life is ceremony. Right. And we sometimes have ceremony within ceremony, but the whole thing is ceremony and sort of treating it that way that the following day is also still sacred time or, you know, whatever wants to emerge. We come together after breakfast. Most of our meals are shared on retreat. Uh, We like that practice together too, just like, you know, getting to sit with each other. Um, But then we come together kind of in our circle and, and we can do some sharing and that part may be vulnerable for people sometimes when people think about oh could i do this in a group that part is the part maybe that scares them a little bit of like am i able or willing to share my experience and there's no pressure to do so this isn't like a vulnerability showcase (laughs) you know but um but it really is an opportunity and i think a lot of people step into it pretty willingly from sort of your own understanding and and self-compassion too of like what your journey actually has to offer other people and that once you get to see that you know there's there's more willingness right to let yourself be seen in that way and so really that's a pretty special time integration circle yeah it's always storytelling time is is really incredible and the other great thing about our retreat format is that that's not your only journey sometimes that first journey is a is an opening and um, it's kind of getting through a first layer and then we integrate it and then the next day there's another journey and it's kind of like another shot now that you kind of know the landscape a little bit which again is a benefit over one-on-one one-time work is that you kind of have this evolving process over the week yeah as opposed to just one with all this pressure on that one journey right yeah it takes the pressure off of one journey and then it also allows sometimes people will revisit a similar theme from their first journey. And sometimes it's like a whole other theme and a whole other 
subject that mm-hmm. emerges. So um, you kind of get two chances. And finally, at the end, we do a lot of guidance on how to begin the process of integration outside of retreat. And so all those are hot tips for going hot back, tips. going back into your life and um, post journey. We have a series of um, group calls that are meant to integrate the experience. Yeah. There's also one last part. There's also free time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like so scheduled, but there's actually decent chunks on integration day of um, time that you can have to yourself to like go be in nature. Sometimes people want to hang together. Sometimes people are making art together. Sometimes people want to nap. Sometimes people want to play. All different things have kind of emerged in, in those times. And I think actually the time after dinner as well becomes pretty family time, family time, puzzles and artwork and storytelling. Yeah, we do a little variety show sometimes. And yeah. That's amazing. And I think this is a good time to say that I've, I've had the honor to be with y'all on a number of retreats uh, leading up to this one that we have coming up in the spring. And it's some of my favorite vacation time. So I just want to name that I've been on these retreats and they're so much fun. I look forward to them. I pinch myself that this is work that I get to do, that I'm getting paid to do this. It's it's wild. But I want to back up because I hear a chorus of people clamoring at the door asking, what medicine is this? What are you talking about? There's so many different psychedelics. So can you two speak a bit about the journey space, what medicine is used? And the question that I'm hearing from folks is, what if things get weird? What happens then? There are lots of medicines out there that, you know, there are more and more retreats being advertised. Nick and I specifically work with psilocybin. We both feel a calling to like, that's our medicine to help serve. Of course, there are ayahuasca retreats and all, and all other mm-hmm. kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, we particularly like psilocybin work for a number of reasons. One is it's plant-based medicine. <laughs> uh, it is really easily digested by people. You know, they're, I, I think most people find it pretty agreeable. Mm-hmm. Um, it also just is completely spectacular in what <laughs> what it can do. I I always love to say like mushrooms do in us what they do in nature, which is decomposition of what's not needed and helping us return to um, a more, our, our true nature, right? Our true capital S self. Um, the remembrance of that and the connection to ourselves and then to all things, all people, um, kind of the flattening aspect of oneness that can come through in the work. Um, mushrooms are also incredibly skilled at grief. They're also skilled at play and joy. They really offer, you know, really powerful work opportunities from people. What else would you say? What would you yeah. add to well, that? In our private practice, we both work with legally prescribed ketamine, which we also really believe in. Um, kind of see that more as like um, nervous system reset. It's it's usually a little bit more positive, kind of comfortable uh, grounding experience. Um, but what's so special about mushrooms is that they can catalyze you know deep change that feels lasting. Um, a lot of times ketamine can kind of get you there for a period of time and kind of ground you. But then, um, you know, a month later or something, you need another dose to kind of like get there again. The, the magic of mushrooms to kind of take us, take our psyches to this place, the places that we're not quite willing to go to feels like an opportunity for really deep lasting change. And the same would probably be true for, for ayahuasca, but it's just not the medicine that either of us have been called to serve. And just for folks out there who might know about ayahuasca being a purgative, like where you, you throw up as part of the process, um, that can happen with mushrooms, but it's quite rare. Um, maybe a little bit of nausea. Sometimes we serve mushrooms as a tea, warm tea with lemon and honey. It's actually quite delicious going down and it comes on a little bit faster and it's a little easier on the stomach. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's like, all right, mushrooms, I'm so excited. That's awesome. I've done it recreationally before, perhaps. It sounds really cool to do it in, in a higher dose. What's what's the dosage that somebody could expect to take? And what if things get a little bit weird? How do you handle that? Weird is where the work gets done, is what we say. <laughs> <laughs> we like weird. Yeah. 
you know, people might have heard of the the, the hero's dose. Um, that's kind of like the big macro dose, um, which would be about five grams. You know, most people who would go out and like take, you know, some recreational mushrooms as like a walk in the woods with friends. It might be about a gram, one gram, maybe two. Three is where it kind of starts to get quite deep. And then like four or five and above are, you know, these kind of big, big, journeys and um everyone's really different so it's not weight-based um and uh so you can't you can't dose it that way it's more um dosed on your kind of general sensitivity so you know if you need four beers to catch a buzz you might need more mushrooms if you are you know take a sip of a cocktail and feel a little lightheaded then you might need a lot less and so we do an individual process with everyone to gauge what the right dose is for them. And on these uh, retreats, we're usually working in the range of about three to five. But again, that can vary. We've had people who decided to just do like one gram um, on one of the journeys, and that's totally okay. Or in extreme circumstances, um, deciding not to do it the, like a second round and just sitting with us, um, having experience without medicine, that's also okay. It's tricky, I think, with the numbers and, and dosing and even, you know, people probably read on the Internet about a hero's dose. And, and that's it's not that we aim for that, like that you're only a hero if you're if you're doing that amount. Right. I, I think it, people kind of may intuitively feel called to sort of a certain d- number range. And we really trust that, too, you know, that there's some intelligence in us that knows what we're online and on board for. And um, that that's totally right. You know, we really want to listen to that and listen to that guidance mm-hmm. around it. We do work in macro doses on retreat because we feel like that's where the big change can come through. And if there's ever a time in your life, like with the intention of actually going away to Costa Rica, you know, to this place, doing your deep work, it's like, here's the, here's the offering. Here's the time to do it. (laughs) Yeah. If you, we have this incredible setting, we have this incredible space set aside and that is the ideal time to do a a big journey. Yeah. Yeah. And away from your life too. And with a lot of support. One other piece I'd add in is there, I've noticed sometimes a tendency of people maybe subconscious, but like a little bit of greed, like uh, just give me the biggest dose. Like I want the change. So give me the biggest dose. And that's not usually the wisest decision. It's best to tune in to like what dose is actually feeling appropriate for where you are at that exact moment. Thank you both so much for sharing so intimately. It feels so exciting to talk about these experiences in a more open way. I'd love to talk about how this new retreat location has come into being. Claire, I'd love to back up a bit and and hear from you about a dream that you had, if if you mind sharing. I dream, I dream a lot. I remember a lot of my dreams. And this particular dream happened maybe about four or five months ago after some work that we had done together. Uh Nick Nick and I and and you, Nadia, Typically, I go home and, and I, you know, for about two weeks, I'll be like processing through dream. Uh, it's kind of a long time, but that's about what I found it takes. So um, one, in one of my dreams, you, the three of us were together and holding ceremony. And um, on, on the outside of this yurt, there was uh, a, like a grouping kind of of spirits that were watching and just paying attention. And then when ceremony had ended they came in and said, um, well done, and you've graduated, and now you get to come work um, somewhere else. And they took, uh, they took us to the jungle, to um, this place that was hard to describe, like very lush and, and tropical. But um, the thing that really stood out to me the most about it was it felt like the safest place on earth. Like this just really really deep sense of like the like the earth and the land saying yes this is exactly what we want to be happening here and this is as safe as it can possibly ever be and now you get to work here with all of the ancestors and then 
uh, Maria Sabina. All, I mean, all the people showed up. <laughs> and it was just, it was kind of a really cool initiation. I woke up, I called Nick. I was like, oh my gosh. There was also this waterfall in the dream, this amazing waterfall that was um, flowing into the land and the retreat center that was there. It wasn't a retreat center, really. It was just like this place, right? And so then the water was feeding everything. And that was like a big part of the dream. It was like I could feel the mist of it on my face. So I woke up and I called Nick and I was like, you know, really this dream I have, we're supposed to work at the retreat center of the heavens. <laughs> He's like, okay, I like your dream. And then a few weeks later, I was, I was looking at things online. Somebody connected me to someone else. And I ended up finding this place um, called Holos in Costa Rica. And I open up their website and um, there's the waterfall, the, the exact one I had seen in my dream. So as I do, I reach out to these people. <laughs> I'm like, so, you know, they, they have uh, lovingly like created um, a really beautiful space in, in the jungle in, in Costa Rica, um, in the Diamante Valley that is uh, sourced the water there is sourced. It all flows in from Diamante Falls there, which I think is the largest waterfall in Costa Rica. And they built a psychedelic retreat center. They have one of two designations from the Costa Rican government to legally do plant medicine and ceremony. So I was like, yeah, we need to go there. We need to know these people. Um, I reached out to them. They, you know, they were very receptive. They got to know Nick and I pretty well. And so we have this opportunity now to go there and work there, which feels like a big, big yes for, for me and getting to actually live a dream. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was on my part of my listening tour. This is part of my personal work is to go have adventures and just be listening to what wants to happen next. And I ran into this really special woman in Maui and was telling her, yeah, I think I'm going to do this retreat in this beautiful place in Costa Rica. And it's sourced by the Diamante waterfall that flows right through here. And she goes, oh, yeah, that one, it's tattooed on my arm. <laughs> right? <laughs> She's like, I used to live next to that waterfall. I'm like, oh, okay. So all signs pointing us there. And I, yeah, it feels really exciting to get to do this and um be connected to this really special group of people that have created this retreat center there. The, the main journey here is beautifully open over this valley with sacred geometry, just like going up into the sky. The food is amazing. It's, you know, a lot of it's grown there and it's just like beautiful, beautiful it's place. An exceptional place. Yeah. yeah. When you two sent me this retreat location, my jaw was on the floor. It's 200 acres of private land, a waterfall, this Diamante Falls. All of the showers on site are fed through this waterfall. So you're literally taking a rain shower. You have access to this gorgeous river. There is this most beautiful temple space, open air, as you were talking about, for the journeys. The food is plant forward. It's, it's magnificent. I personally am so excited to be there. It's, it's so epic. I would love to know for those who are considering a psychedelic retreat, whether this this one or another one, what were those stringent requirements and how did you two, how were you able to so clearly show them like we are in integrity as guides in this work? Yeah, they they really wanted to just get to know each of us personally on a deeper level. And they asked for a statement of our ethos like around the work, how we view this, like what our ethical boundaries are with it, what our intention is. And then how we guide. They wanted to know a lot about how we guide, which Nick has said, we don't even really think of ourselves as guides, more like witness, how we abide. You and know. we really deeply trust people's internal healing capacity in the same way that, you know, if you cut your hand, your body knows how to heal it as long as it's in the right conditions. So, yeah, we see ourselves as people creating the right conditions for people to do their own healing and we are not the saviors that are coming to do it for them. Yeah. But I think that, you know, Claire's trauma informed therapy practice, um, it's kind of like a real big green light and my emergency room and medical knowledge. Uh, and I think that they're like just sense that we're in it for the right reasons, that it's not a, an ego game for us. And, um, probably, 
just reading our energies a little bit, I think was a big, big part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think what also comes across in the really genuine way, and hopefully people hear this through the podcast too, is like, this is an act of love mm-hmm. that you and I have really put forward how much we love this work, how much we love life, how much we love that we get to experience it in this way and the invitation that exists like for other people to join us in that. You know, I often say after people have been on retreat with us, like your soul family now, right? Like forever your soul, you're in our soul family. And I want that. I want that for myself. I want that for more people that we come into contact with. You know, there's, there's such a lack of a sense of community in a lot of places in our, in our culture now. And this is certainly not the only way to find that, but I, but I like the invitation. I think they also read in us that we have, you know, an interest and an access um, and a reverence for the spiritual realms, but also land very firmly here in the human 3d world where we are, you know, do our, our own wise investigation and, you know, being, uh, on the other end of therapy ourselves and learning about ourselves and in a constant state of growth, um, that it's not all about just living in that spiritual place, um, not bypassing the human experience. Um, so I think that's something we also wanted to yeah. make sure we were grounded in. Mm-hmm. One thing I admire so much about you both is that you're consistently in whatever season of life you're in. You're humans, you're accessible, you are approachable, you are down to earth. To me, I I really admire that you're always going through some sort of life process. And this medicine work is not just work that you facilitate. It really is an ongoing part of both of your practices. And Claire, you're talking about this listening tour that you just went on. I think it's so cool. And I just wanted to honor that, that that's a rare quality, I think, in in guides. And I'm using air quotes here because a lot of guides have done the work and now they'll guide you through your own work. And for for me, working with you two, I'm like, you are always in process and you're very open about that process. Yeah, we are living our work. I will not ever be done mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. There, there is a mystery into the, to the way that that weaves into the work we get to do right? Like whatever is coming up and through me in my own life right now, like is also of service to my (laughs) expanded capacity to be able to hold and be with people. And then also to be more in my own heart and more in my own reverence. Let's talk a little nuts and bolts about what people can expect from this Costa Rica experience specifically. How many days, how many journeys, how many people, et cetera, if that feels good. So this particular retreat is in May and I think the dates are 16 to 21 something still, like that. Oh, like, still making sure it's going to be right in that range day before or day after yeah. right and uh it's a five night retreat six days five night retreat it's kind of deep in the jungle in Costa Rica you fly into a town called Capos and uh, then we got to drive about an hour kind of in um, so it's pretty secluded, but very special place. It's a journey to get to the journey for sure. But um, sometimes I think those can be really rich too. I love actually in other retreats, like people have connected on their journey to the journey, you know, and that that's been really cool. And, number you know, number of journeys are two. We'll have like a deep meditation experience um, with some breath work on the first night. And then there's two different mushroom journeys with integration days in between. Yeah. yeah. And some space for free time amongst that mm-hmm. and, you know, probably swimming and waterfalls and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then when it ends, they're just, you know, kind of a, usually on the last day we have breakfast together and a brunch and then people will travel home. And sometimes people want to stay a few extra days there and kind of let themselves land. Sometimes people need to get back, but number of participants, uh, for this retreat, we'll probably be around 11. Yeah. Yeah. We like to keep the groups pretty small. There are retreat experiences out there that are more like 30 people. And we find that it doesn't give everyone a chance to like properly tell their story and integrate. So we like to keep the, the groups to about eight to 11 people. Yeah. 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 And us three will be there, which is so exciting. Who is the type of person that you're calling in for this experience? These 11 beautiful humans. What is the type of work that they'll be drawn to? What is the type of person? 
Good question. I'm gonna let you answer uh, yeah. that because you you told me something about that recently. I don't know. No, let's see. The <laughs> lots of different people. We really like the variety of what people are bringing. A lot of what's in the news right now is um, these these medicines to to heal your PTSD or you know fix your depression or your anxiety or to like you know get you to a place of peace if you're at the you know in a terminal illness. Um, and those are all great for the research studies, and those are all you know perfectly great reasons to come. Um, but we're also really open to you know people that just want to explore their you know creativity and spirituality. Things can be going great in your life, and you just want to like you know pounce on the opportunity to make it even better. Personally, a lot of my uh, experiences with with psychedelics just get me to a place of awe and like kind of refresh my lens on the world and um i love working with longtime meditators so people who have done a lot of meditation that that is really great foundational um, work for deep medicine experiences that can take you to really special places and also enhance um, your meditation practice afterwards did i say the thing no oh <laughs> <laughs> um I, the thing that you said to me the other day was like, you're like, oh, I really also love when people have um, done some work kind of on themselves yeah. too yeah. ahead of this. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to have been in therapy or anything like that, but just that your your curiosity has led you kind of on a path of maybe you've done some reading or you've kind of started to seek out, you know, uh, different modalities and ways of, of doing some deeper work. Um, obviously that's not like a requirement, but um, sometimes I think it's, it's helpful preparation, right. For what's to come. Right. Yeah. Cause the medicine experience can be a profound experience of, of awareness. Like, Oh, this is what's happening internally for me. And I wasn't quite aware of that, but if you've done some coaching or some therapy to become aware already of what's happening in your internal landscape, um, that you've kind of like set the stage for a, a deeper level what can happen um, with the with the mushrooms. I also love folks who come to this work sort of with a loose intention of perhaps you know of a, a vision for their life what what's next what what is my potential? what could I step into more fully? life can be really great yeah yes. I, yeah. I know my partner recently had a journey where he was really, his intention was clarity about work, professional things. And then the message was that he needed to be kinder to his body. And so that what his intention was and what he received was a little bit different, but by freeing up the body piece, this physical piece, it actually gave him that much more space to really dream up in the career space. So I think there's something for you to, to touch on here, if it feels right, around setting an intention and then also surrendering into what is presented. We kind of, that's the process of um, first being aware of uh, the difference between intentions and expectations. So an expectation is kind of like, I'm coming in, I need this one thing to happen um, versus an intention is like, what direction am I heading in my life? You know, like where, where do I want to go? And that is kind of like the, the way you're pointing your rudder and then having the experience. And then after the experience, seeing what the relationship is between the intention you set and the experience that you had. And that's kind of where you go from there. I have a question for you too. What's been a recent experience that you've you know, facilitated or been present for, for somebody in their psychedelic processing that's given you a lot of hope in this work and the power of it? Oh, good question. So good. Uh, somebody comes right to mind for me. I'll preface by saying that I love the press that's, you know, positive press that um, psychedelic therapy is getting. Um, but one thing I notice is that they highlight the people who've had these like really profound experiences that were very positive and fixed them forever. And I think we both feel a responsibility to say like, that's not how it goes every time. And it's okay that that's not how it goes. So I can think of people recently who I worked with that had just, you know, from the very beginning to the very end, this magical unfolding of like beauty and self-acceptance and self-love and profound awakenings to that everything is actually okay and 
all challenges are just opportunities for growth. And, you know, it's really wonderful, but also just as many experiences of people going to really challenging places. The person I think of most recently came in wanting to heal anxiety and went to a place of uh, really profound uh, questioning of whether he wanted to be alive uh, during the journey expressed you know, like maybe I want to commit suicide. When will this journey be over? This is not what I expected. I hate this. Um, looked in the mirror and saw this kind of disheveled, out of shape, you know, thing that just kind of felt despicable. And it was really dark. It's hard. And, um, you know, our, our, our role in that is to really just allow it, not try to change it, not try to talk them out of it, to agree with them. Like, yes, life is hard. But the integration that I did with this person It was all about realizing like, oh, I'm ready to like get my act together. And this person signed up for a gym, cut their hair. And it gives me hope is that I really, over time, we really developed this trust and the experience that someone's having is the experience that's meant for them. And that gives me hope. Like Mm. that I actually don't have to like, make this go the way that I think it should go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trust people at a deep level that their internal process knows exactly what to do. Which feels like a parenting thing as well. You know, I'm yeah. not a parent, but it just, yeah. it's like, it's a human thing. Can you trust every human alive on this planet has a unique karmic evolution that they're here to step through and and we're not here to save anyone which i think is the ethos of the work that you two do and i just want to emphasize that for folks listening you can trust yourself you can listen to yourself you can trust your body and recognize if and when you feel called into this work it's all within you this work the medicine and us three we're just guiding you back into yourself Claire, I certainly want to hear what gives you hope in this work. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many things. Uh, I think when I was meditating on last year and kind of what I felt the most was the most fulfilling work I did and what I felt the proudest of it was it was actually the connection that these groups had from retreat um, that felt so lasting. I mean, we got a message yesterday from one of our retreat participants just announcing that he was going to move and letting everyone know from this really deep place of love, like here, this is part of my integration is that I'm now living this dream of moving with this person to the East coast, you know, and it was so sweet the way that people like responded and touched in with him. And I think that that part, like there's something about seeing that that gives me hope about the world. Mm. Right. That um, to be known in that way, to be cared for and loved in such a sincere and genuine way and to have that be ongoing makes me go, yeah, I do want to do this 100 more years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and keep keep going. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that gives me hope is we talked about this on the last podcast also is that pollination effect. Yeah. Is that the change that's happening for that individual person, but then how does that ripple? out into the rest of the world um, as that person acts as a parent or as a boss or an employee that there's there really is like a, a ripple effect that goes out into the world yeah each of us are creating air literally the air that we breathe and through this work you're sort of filtering your own air and making it more pure connected to love and then it's making our world a cleaner more beautiful place to live but hey, don't take our word for it. Come experience it yourself. It is something that you really have to experience in your own body. It is only a platitude until you have felt that feeling in your body. And to emphasize next point, which I think is a great one, psychedelics are not the only way into this. Meditation, breath work, these are free tools available to us in every moment. A really good playlist, which by the way, Nick, I have to plug the music that you play at these retreats. Nick painstakingly curates the most epic and beautiful playlists. They are playlists that all of the retreat participants, myself included, listen to for months afterward to bring us back into this place. So I just want to say the music is epic and the food is fantastic. Can we talk about the private chefs that come to these experiences, these plant forward, delicious meals with sustainably sourced 
meat if there's meat included. Like it's amazing. It's amazing. That's all I want to say. We always say like, even if we didn't do the medicine experiences, that this would be a healing experience. Yeah. Just to listen to music and be in community and be fed well and sleep well and be in a beautiful place and have time to reflect and write. And yeah. Yes. There's a beautiful fireplace at this Costa Rica retreat. I can't wait to be at and you know time to just look up at the stars and go swimming in a river it's it's amazing so okay as our closing question i would like you two to reflect on each other it is such a nadia thing to do to force people into (laughs) reflections (laughs) but claire i'd like to ask you first why is nick a fantastic guide why do you enjoy working with him in this capacity Oh, Nick, I love telling you this. Um, I picked Nick. I The very first time I met him, I was in like a small group with him and I was like, you, I'm going to work with you. It was just a deep, a deep intuitive knowing. Um, I love Nick is the easiest. It's the easiest working relationship I've ever had. Like, actually, it doesn't even require that many words. There's a dance that we do together that feels just very natural. I also trust you with like, a thousand percent of my being like every cell in me thinks that you are so good at what you do and how you lead but also um witness is such an art form that i think is hard to find in people yeah i often feel excited to introduce you to people because i know that they will benefit so greatly just from getting to be around you nick is also amazing at play (laughs) and is a really good leader in that, like creating opportunities um, for people to join in that. Mm-hmm. There's probably so much more that I could say. Yeah. And in journey space, I just trust you so, so deeply. I think that's like highlight for me. Like yeah. I, you know, to me, you know what you're doing. Um, I never worry. I feel total confidence and safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The way that, the planning of these retreats feels so easy for us and in flow kind of carries over into the retreat space where it feels like we it's just like there's a flow there's an easiness to it and okay is it my turn oh absolutely i love this part okay um <laughs> you um have this incredible superpower of seeing people so deeply and so quickly and I think that's what everybody is kind of secretly hoping for when they go see a therapist is like, I don't have to spend months trying to like be known and tell my story. Um, this perceptivity that you have to just like instantly tap in and see like the arc of what is happening for somebody and get it kind of before they get it. And also your, your way of delivering what you see in people is so perfectly placed and so nurturing that people receive that in a way that's just so useful. You also have this amazing ability to just like accept people at a really, really deep level, like no matter how they're presenting, you kind of just like seeing past all of that into the deeper layers of them. Um, There's this really kind of like maternal quality of acceptance and allowing that you bring um there's a calm there's a steadiness that's there and i remember when i was first getting to know you and hearing about how you work you just looked at me and you're like you know nick like i have to i have to really fall in love with every person that i work with and you do you like find a way to fall in love with with everybody and it shows and people feel it at a deep level so again i think i could probably go on about that but those are the first things that come to mind thank you yeah so nice to be reflected (laughs) it was a little selfish why i actually asked that because i want everyone to get a taste of what you experience on these retreats we have these incredible integration circles where we actually end up very naturally and organically reflecting back to everyone and i think what people leave with that they are surprised by is a recognition of their truest self stripped away from the job title, the amount of money in your bank account, your family stuff, whatever it is, like coming back to your true essence 
and then having that reflected back by others. It's a really powerful experience. Yeah. It makes me think, I'd say if I just was like anecdotally guessing, I'd say about 20% of the people that sign up for these things are saying like groups sound great and that's how I want to do this. And I'd say 80% have a little bit of trepidation and they're like, I, okay, I'll take your word for it, but I'm not sure. But when we do, you know, some like feedback forms afterwards, about a hundred percent people say like the group was the medicine. I didn't see, I took their word for it, but like that was, I can't imagine doing it without that part. Huge, huge. It's a restorative experience because it feels like a family and that's not a pushy family. It happens in a very organic way. It, there's always an arc on the retreat in terms of, you know, the the first sort of barriers to intimacy, but there's usually a very natural breaking through of just camaraderie and a sense of understanding that's soft and you get to choose how much you engage in it. I, I feel like I want to jump in and turn the tables and make sure we get a chance to say, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. put you on the spot for a second. Um, oh, Nadia. Well, can <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I think I hear a question of like, well, Nadia, like how how are you involved in this thing? And I'd I'd like to just share that I that Claire, if you've listened to the first episode I had her on here, Claire was my therapist for a couple of years. And then I just looked at her and I was like, I want to be doing the work that you're doing. And she helped me navigate, you know, uh leaving my corporate marketing gigs and and finding my way into grad school. So I just feel so lucky. There are so many people that would want to assist retreats. I am technically the retreat assistant. And I feel so grateful that I get to to be in that capacity and just witness how this work is done in such deep integrity. Because psychedelic work is the Wild West still. And I trust you two so much with your experience. So I just wanted to say when, when people ask like, well, who's Nadia? <laughs> I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> you're the assistant, but assistant doesn't feel like the right word mm-hmm. because you're so much more than that. Um, the way I see you and describe you as um, so gifted at seeing people's positive qualities and reflecting them back to them in a way that they feel it know it believe it and that you are so clear and 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 knowing that love is what's you know guiding the universe and constantly bringing people back to that and i think a lot of people might know that but your skill at delivering that message and reflecting it to people um in a way that they really deeply feel it is such a gift to them they feel so comfortable and relaxed around you and Another quality that you have is this like real sparkle and enthusiasm um, while also being really grounded. You're not just a cheerleader. You are able to feel into people. Yeah, the, the sparkle that you bring is, is so contagious and so useful. And I also watch that like after these retreats, so many people are drawn to working with you afterwards. Um, and that is a huge gift to be able to have that on offer. Um, as the integration goes on. I'm over here just nodding my head yes at all of those things. Nadia, our resident projector, Nick and I are both manifesting generators, Um, but we love having you as our projector too. You ask such good questions. You also really know how to be and exist in a group in a a really very organic Mm -hmm. leader, Mm -hmm. right? Where I think you bring such a special medicine of your own to group experience, asking the right questions, the way that you say things. Sometimes I'm like, oh man, I wish I could do it so well. Yeah. I know that's exactly (laughs) what I wanted to say. So having you there for all of that too. Yeah. And people just really love you so much. Your ability to witness them, your ability to be in deep acceptance of them too. Beautiful. Also, love your voice. If you ever get to hear Nadia sing, which I'm not going to out you there, but like <laughs> more of that in the world. Thank you yeah. so much. You two are just the the best. I'm like soaking it up. I can feel this like sparkly, vibrant energy as everyone's listening to how pure this is. And I also just want to shout out all of our past retreat participants. I have a feeling that many of you will be listening to this podcast, and if you've made it this far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for taking the leap. And thank you for staying so naturally connected to us. 
I feel like I have really organic and natural relationships with most of the people that have attended. And it doesn't have to be a regular touch point, but when it happens, it's so deep and so authentic. It's like we picked up right where we left off. And this this would be a for the first time ever, we're dropping uh, an idea that we have, which is to at least once a year have an in-person gathering, um, probably at my family's barn, West Marin, where all past retreat guests that have worked with us, we get together for like a day-long non-medicine experience of sharing. Maybe as a Pokemon, maybe as a guest speaker, maybe we do one of our little variety shows, but just some way to come back into community and like actually be with each other again and real life and catch up. I love it. And I think the point being, we want to get to know you. Claire, you said it so beautiful, beautifully. Once you come to one of these retreats, your soul family. Come in May, if you're feeling the telltale signs, if you're feeling like this buzzing of excitement, we will have an experience in May. We'll have many other experiences thereafter, but this one is going to be special. So there will be an application form. We obviously want to feel into the energy of the people that want to attend, want to make sure everything is sound medically, which is another way in which these retreats are held with so much integrity and intention. Nick, Claire, is there anything you want to leave folks with today? I think my last thing that we always say, and I think we've said this on the other podcast too, is how much I trust each person's individual knowing, right? Like that if this is for you, there will be signs of that and that your own listening is, is the guidance. You know, if you're listening to this and you feel sparked and excited and kind of lit up or more curious, please reach out to us with that. And, and also I trust people in their knowing of uh, what's not for them too. I think this is not for everybody and that, that also is strong guidance, you know? So just a deep respect for the light that's in each of us that knows what's up and, and what's ahead. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah. (laughs) Such an important part of this work is just trust, you know, a naturally existing feeling of trust. Um, I describe it as the shoe that you put on that feels right, right away. You don't need to break it in. Um, So if you want to explore that more and find out if the trust is there, we do, you know, introduction calls with people who are interested in coming on the retreat after filling out the application. Um, um, Yeah, trust your inner guidance. If we feel like your people, then great. If not, that's also Yes. I hope that this episode has empowered you to know more about what these experiences are, what to ask about if you're considering them and yeah, empower you back into self-trust. Thank you both so much. We'll be talking soon. 